Do you need a break? You read my mind. Come with me. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Break. I'm your host, Father Roderick. I'm a priest and I'm a geek and I love to share with you my thoughts on Star Wars, anime, fantasy, superhero, science fiction, and so much more. In this show, I give you my weekly tips, what to watch, what to read, play, or listen to the next time you have a break. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This is the All Hallows edition of the show. Because, of course, this is the week where we tell each other spooky stories, where Catholics remember the saints who are in heaven and their beloved, uh, their loved ones who have left this earth and are hopefully on their way to God's eternal love. We're going to talk about that and we're going to make a bridge, we're going to build a bridge between the world of faith and how different people in the world look at the afterlife or the possibility of the afterlife and how they express that in stories. And we're going to start with Star Wars, then we'll, moving on, uh, we'll be moving on to the world of anime, and we'll wrap things up with uh, one of the scariest books I've read this past year. So hopefully you enjoy the show, let's start in that galaxy far, far away. History of the galaxy parts one, two, and three. One being the best, of course. I still have those stories in my archive memory. Would you like to hear one? Your choice. Very well. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Now, the Star Wars stories are usually quite upbeat, even though they are about the good guys fighting the, the, the Empire or the Sith or the New Order. But there is always uh, an infusion of hope that makes me love those stories so much. Star Wars is about a future that is brighter than today. And that makes, I think, for a very necessary boost of energy in these scary times. Let's be honest, we live in a world where uh, it's not wars among the stars, it's just wars among us here on, on the planet, on this beautiful Earth that we've been given. And instead of helping each other to make the most out of our life here on Earth, we are fighting each other and we are uh, trying to gain the upper hand and in the process we hurt so many innocent people. This is why I think stories like Star Wars are so important. And Star Wars, as you know, is modern mythology. These are fairy tales, uh, modern ones because... They happen in space, in a galaxy far, far away, and they use X-Wing fighters and the Force and whatnot. But they are myth mythological stories nevertheless, and myth has always served a purpose. It's not just telling cool stories. No, mythology is here to help us step out of our tiny little framework and to realize that our story is part of a much bigger story. And also a story that transcends this physical world, a story that started way before we were here and will continue long after we have left this earth. And <clears throat> this is why um, stories like Star Wars, which are also very close to the stories that we read in, for instance, the Bible or in the other great religious books um, that we share, these stories are super important to help us to step outside our legal, little egotistical, narrow focused world and discover that actually, you know, the universe is so big and there is so much 
positive that we can do, why would we invest all our energy into what is negative, into what destroys? And Star Wars, of course, obviously is all about that. Now, a good story needs good villains. And this is something that I think Star Wars does really well up until this last series of Ahsoka where we are introduced to uh, some new villains. And I would like to give you my short list of some of the most evil villains in the Star Wars universe and also to talk about how this relates to this bigger scope that I just talked about, this hope that there may be something beyond this physical world, beyond my limited time here on Earth, that there is hope for a future that may actually be eternal. And how does Star Wars reflect those those thoughts and those ideas? Well, let's start with um, a relatively new group of bad people that were introduced in the latest Ahsoka series. Some of us were already familiar with uh, these people because of the Clone Wars series and some of the other animated series. And I'm talking about the witches, uh, the the witches of Dathomir. We all remember Darth Maul, and I'll be talking about him in a minute. Um, but Darth Maul, as you know, died in uh, his fight with... Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi. He was cut in half. However, we see him in subsequent stories alive and well. So how did this come about? It is because he was actually fixed and and kind of resuscitated by the witches of Dathomir. And Dathomir is a planet um, full of kind of the dark side of the Force, but it is also the Force in a slightly different form than what we've seen with the Emperor, for instance. This is um, something that manifests itself in kind of green green smoke, and it's called magic. I think it's M-A-G-I-C-K, something like that. So it's not magic the way we would, we would uh, spell it, but it's like the Star Wars version of magic. Um, but the whole introduction of these witches um, shows us that they are manipulating the dark side of the force to do what Emperor Palpatine later on in the sequels would call unnatural things. And one of these unnatural things is that they can bring back to life people that, you know, were, were supposed to die. So this is how Darth Maul um, kind of survived his um, his fight. And uh, I think also his brother was resuscitated by these witches. And then for a long time, we don't hear about them anymore. Only to discover that they are back in Ahsoka. And in the meantime, they have found refuge on a very remote planet outside of the galaxy in which all the Star Wars stories are told. And these these witches are the night sisters, I think they're called, are still um, using that same magic to help Thrawn, who is this um, uh, grand admiral who was exiled to this other galaxy by Ezra Bridger, who uh, saved this uh, small group of rebels by uh, jumping to hyperspace with the with the big star destroyer that Thrawn was operating. And uh, since then, he was lost. So for 10 years later, we find him back in this other galaxy. And he's working together with these witches. Now, the whole plan is not yet revealed. We don't know exactly what uh, the, the the game plan of, of Thrawn is, but it's certain that the witches are involved. And we do get a hint at what what these 
Night Sisters are doing, um, because uh, they are able apparently to use dead bodies, in this case of stormtroopers. So you've got these kind of patched up stormtroopers. I think they're called night trooper, night troopers, by the way. Um, and so they've been there for a decade. So uh, without access to you know all the maintenance uh, abilities of of the empire, and so all the all the their storm stormtrooper armor is like broken and glued together and patched together. But the stormtroopers themselves are still you know just regular people. Um, it all looked looks very disheveled, but. At one point, there is a confrontation between these um, night troopers and our heroes, and many of them die. And this is where the witches then use their magic to turn these dead stormtroopers or these dead night troopers into Star Wars zombies. And it was chilling to see that. And in fact, we had already been introduced to one of those zombies a bit earlier on in the story. But apparently, they're able to, to control these bodies, and they behave just like zombies. If you shoot them, they will try to stand up again, and they're not really after brains, I think, but they're definitely uh, on a continuing a destructive mission. The, the difference with like real resuscitation or resurrection is that these bodies are basically undead. They, they, are, they are not truly alive. There is no soul there. It's just bodies that are being controlled by the sisters through their magic. So it's almost like a like a puppet that they are puppeteering. Um, so this is very important, I think, in in the realm of Star Wars to understand that these these evil witches are using the Force in a way that ultimately still serves death and not life. There is a huge difference between the scene that um, ends the Star Wars saga, or at least the Skywalker saga, uh, in um, uh, the the Rise of Skywalker. Um, by the way, the movie is called The Rise of Skywalker because there is actually a resurrection in that story at the end when Kylo Ren gives his life to save the life of uh, of Rey. And this is the total opposite of what the witches do. The witches are manipulating dead bodies. Uh, but it's all about control. It's all about power. Whereas in Kylo Ren's sacrifice, his ultimate sacrifice, he is freely giving his life away so that Rey may live. And then you see the power of the Force that is able to bring back true life. Rey is not a zombie after she comes back from the, death, from the dead. She is a living, breathing person. That can only be done through the light side of the Force. I love that because it's, you know, it's, it's inspiring and also teaches us a lesson that death can only generate more death. And if you think of the wars that are currently going on in our world, then you have to ask yourself, is all this violence good for anything? Is it truly going to open the future or is it just generating more death and more destruction? Star Wars, I think, teaches us a lesson there. So these, these zombie troopers ultimately will die as, uh, as soon as the witches no longer are able to puppeteer them. And this is also true for Enoch, who is uh, kind of the most scary stormtroopers that I've ever seen. Um, his face mask is, is partially gone, and, and the part where you would normally have the, the black eyes and everything and the nose is now replaced by a golden mask that looks like a death mask. And he is the leader. He's called Enoch. It's a biblical name, and also the name of a, uh, one of the ap apocryphal um, Jewish uh, writings. 
That's a whole different story. Maybe I'll do a, a video about that sometime soon. Um, but uh, he is kind of the leader of these zombies. And uh, it, I think that's why visually he has that very eerie death mask. It looks human, but it is golden and it's, it's frozen. It's almost like fake life. Um, love, love, love the way that they did this, this in Ahsoka. And then, of course, let's move over to the more familiar bad guys. Um, and it's a duo. Uh, it's Darth Maul, who is deliberately, of course, um, created and, and designed to represent the devil. He's got horns. He's got the red and black markings on his face. Uh, he's he's very evil. The yellow eyes that are very uh, uh, typical for anyone who is um, possessed by the dark side. And um, back in the days when um, Star Wars or Lucasfilm was organizing the first Star Wars celebration, I remember talking with uh, uh, with um, uh, what's his name, McCallan. Uh, McCallum, I should say, who was the producer of uh, The Phantom Menace, and this was before The Phantom Menace came out. And um, he recognized me and uh, another friend of mine who is also a pastor in, the, in a Protestant church, and um, he, he chatted with us, and he said the, the one thing that we are, we, we, we had just seen a, a, like an onstage presentation by um, uh, Ray Park, uh, and, you know, fully... I don't think he was dressed up like Darth Maul, but he did the moves and everything, and they showed us the 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 part of the duel of the fates and everything. So everybody was like, oh my gosh, this, this looks so evil. And he said, the, the one thing that they were wondering is, aren't we going a little bit too far in the way that we uh, depict this, this evil Sith? Um, because this might alarm certain Christians who immediately think that, that Lucasfilm is now kind of uh, blatantly... Uh, advertising the devil. Um, and that was, of course, not their opinion. I, I remember I answered him that as a Catholic, I, I wasn't that concerned because the story itself in which this character is embedded is a very clear story uh, where at no point there is sympathy for the devil, <laughs> in this case, for Darth Maul and for the Sith. It's very clear that these are agents of evil and need to be uh, vanquished and need to be eradicated from... Uh, from the galaxy. So as long as you have that clear distinction between evil and the good guys, it it works as a fairy tale. It works as a as a as a mythological story. Um, and then of course we also discover that um, Darth Maul is not operating by himself. He is actually the pawn or the the padawan of um, a, a much more evil person who is the Emperor um, Palpatine has lost his soul. It's He has, you could say, has sold his soul to the dark side. And you you may wonder if there's any redemption possible. Almost all the people that have fallen to the dark side are redeemable. And, you know, case in point, Kylo Ren. He returns from his uh, adventure to the dark side and ends up doing the, the greatest act of love defined by Jesus. You know, the, what is the greatest love is to give your life for your friends. That's exactly what he does at the end. And the same is true for the one he admired so much, Darth Vader, his grandfather, who he tried to emulate during his entire life. But what he probably didn't realize was, was that this Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, came back from the dark side to destroy, to try to destroy Emperor Palpatine, the same emperor who is secretly puppeteering everyone behind the scenes, including Kylo Ren. And it's the moment that he realizes that, that he's able to uh, 
finally step back from the grip or kind of uh, liberate himself from the grip of the dark side. Now, in Star Wars, the afterlife itself is often represented in the form of these Force ghosts. And uh, the, the, what I like about the Force ghost is it's only the good people. It's only the people that have embraced the light side that are able to appear as ghosts. doesn't mean that their entire life they've been saints, but <laughs> there has been conversion at the end of their journey. And this is how the light side of the Force is able to grant them this afterlife. So... As if I hear that as a priest, if I see that in that story, I'm immediately thinking about Christian theology where the afterlife, life with God, is for those who embrace this life. Now, the difference is that everyone, every human being who is uh, placed on this earth, uh, who is born on this earth, has an eternal soul. Our souls are not just temporary. They don't go away when our body uh, dies and, uh, and, and dissolves into the dust from which it came. Um, but our souls are eternal. They are able to survive death to a certain extent. But where they will be after death depends on our free will. There's something that is fundamental to understand in Christian theology is that God has given us free will. It's a huge risk for him because it means that we can turn away from what is good and what is love and do the opposite, look at the news. Um, but at the same time, this free will is the basis for any type of love. You cannot love someone when you are forced to do so. You cannot force someone to sacrifice him or herself. You can only receive it as a gift and a gift can only be a gift if it's given out of free will so god respects this free will it's a gift that he will never uh ask back or he will never retract it and so it is up to us what our eternal future will be if we want to live forever then uh, well, if we want to let's say live forever like we will all to a certain way uh be eternal because of our soul but um the, the, the quality of life, you may say, depends on our openness to God, who is the source of all love. If we embrace him fully, then we are what the Catholic Church calls saints. Anyone who is in heaven is a saint, even if they don't have statues in the church. This is why the church celebrates All Saints Day. Uh, the, and the eve of this All Saints Day, or All Hallows Day, is, as you know, Halloween. Um, so, stories about death in the afterlife and about spirits who actually may not still, not yet be fully open to God and they're still like kind of semi-attached to to the earth. So there, there is a rhyme and reason uh, behind our Halloween tradition and I think it is linked to um, uh, the Christian view on life and death. Now you may have heard, this is a little bit of a, a sidetrack, that Halloween is actually uh, just a Christianized version of an ancient pagan feast like a Celtic feast um, and that is actually not true. This is um, uh, made up by people who, this is mostly a lot of these stories um, became popular after the Protestant Re Reformation, um, and uh, it's fake history. It's like historians agree that this, yes, there are certain similarities, but there is absolutely no uh, assimilation of a pagan feast, um, and, and this is obvious. They're talking about the church assimilating a Celtic tradition, but the Celtic culture was only confined to a very small portion of the planet. The church is a global 
entity, a global uh, cultural phenomenon, if you like step away from the religious dimension. And so it's, it's even from a cultural perspective and, and an anthropological perspective, perspective it's it's extremely unlikely that uh, this universal celebration of all saints day and all souls day is uh, just a, like a rehash of a some kind of local local celtic custom so but instead um even among catholics you will have people who like the scary stories and <laughs> a lot of these um fairy tales and and scary stories are are sometimes written down by um by christian writers so be it's, it all talks about it's us trying to express our fears and our thoughts and our hopes about a life that is is going on beyond this life on Earth. And Star Wars does this by showing us that for some people, if you embrace the light side, you'll be able to have that eternal life and to even help the people that are still alive in the galaxy are still part of the physical world. And this is also, I think, uh, borrowed from the Catholic tradition and conviction that when you are in heaven, when you, are, when you have died, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden all ties are cut with the, with the earth. No, in fact, the saints are, uh, are our friends and remain our friends and are able, able to what the Catholic Church calls to intercede for us. So they can pray for us. They can help us with their love and prayer just as we would when we were still alive here on, you know, in, in, in this world. And so uh, it's not something that tries to replace God's agency, but it is this friendship that reinforces God's agency. Uh, where there is love, you know, where two or more people are together in, in, in love and prayer, Jesus is there, God is there, and this is the whole idea of saints. They are already with God, but that love is... is is something that wants to communicate itself. And this is why Catholics have, have such a veneration for the saints. They help us to a certain extent. And that, that is what you see translated, I think, in the way these forest ghosts are depicted in Star Wars as helpers from another realm, the realm of uh, the afterlife. But none of that is possible uh, with dark magic or with uh, the dark side of the force. Only the light side of the force can bring life. The most beloved fantasy story of all time. It is the tale of a small hobbit and the great wizard who appeared to him one day. All right, dude, check it out. Go like that way and then up this one mountain and then kill all the hippies you come across. No, no, I'm searching for a dragon's treasure. I'm the wizard, you're the dwarf, and you will respect my authority! I am no dwarf! Now, Tolkien, who wrote The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and The Silmarillion and so much more, um, was a very devout Catholic and someone who believed in the afterlife. And it's not by accident that uh, in the story of The Lord of the Rings, and especially in the final part of the story, we see a translation of his faith. It's not as you know, uh, like a, a metaphor. He doesn't like uh, us to read The Lord of the Rings as um, something that is a one-on-one -on -one translation of biblical themes or motives or, or persons. But there is an undercurrent of Catholic belief and hope that is very present in the world of The Lord of the Rings. And this, is, um, this, this crystallizes in this idea 
that at the end of their journey here on Earth, the elves will leave the shores of Middle-earth. They will go to an eternal country somewhere beyond the horizon where regular people, hobbits, dwarfs, cannot be, cannot come. And uh, this, I think, is a beautiful, poetic way to depict this hope that there is something beyond the horizon of what we can see. And what I also really love is that in the books of the Lord of the Rings, Frodo actually um, and Bilbo also are able to, to go to the, the other side, to accompany the elves. It's a, it's a, a, a great gift um, that they've been given. And, um, if I'm not mistaken, Gimli too, right? He also goes to um, um, the, the uh, I forgot what it was called, but anyway, the, these lands beyond, beyond the, the ocean. Um, and the way in which they depict that in the Peter Jackson movies, I think, was, was beautiful. There's just this, this golden glow. The elves, for the entire time that we see them in The Lord of the Rings, are already in the autumnal phase of their existence. Uh, Middle-earth is no longer the place where they want to dwell or where they can dwell, and so everybody is moving away, um, which I think is another you know, nice idea that uh, even these elves, that if they are not killed, they basically can live forever. Um, th- there is a difference between death, to, to die as an elf, for, for instance, in battle, and, to, and the afterlife. Uh, the afterlife is, is uh, you know, this journey uh, to the other side of the ocean is something much more positive and, and uh, it, it, it cannot compare to just living this ongoing life on this earth, which may seem eternal, but of course isn't, because it depends on, you know, the, 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 fa- the question whether this Middle Earth will still be there. Uh, and if Sauron gets his way, then everything will be destroyed, and everyone will be destroyed except for him and his minions. And so, um, and there's even a certain tragic side to living forever in this temporal realm, and you see this in the kind of nostalgia and the sadness of the elves, where they realize that, yes, they live so much longer than any other creature in Middle-earth, but it's a blessing, but it's even more a curse, because everybody around them will die, and they will have to say goodbye to all these 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 people and these creatures that they loved and they are the the only ones who remain so there's also a certain loneliness to that and and it's only this life when they journey across the sea uh to these eternal lands that is the only life that is truly worth living forever so there's a lot of catholic theology hidden in uh this whole idea japanimation Cool. <laughs> Let's move over to the world of Japanese animation, or anime as they call it. And um, for my TikTok account, I did a short um, Halloween-themed video about um, the scary series, or the scary anime series that you could watch on Halloween. And I was also asking for some, some tips 
um, because, as you know, I'm, I'm a beginner in the world of anime. I still have a lot to discover. Uh, but there were five series um, that I've already checked out. I haven't finished them all, but I've, I've seen a couple of episodes of all of these series. Um, and they all deal with, uh, with souls and, to a certain extent, with life after death. And also and that is why they are so scary, with um, the, the demons and, you know, all these nasty creatures from beyond this physical realm, they're trying to lure people to their eternal damnation. And it's interesting to see uh, a lot of Christian imagery in Japanese animated culture. And um, it's... It's because, of course, first of all, um, ghosts and souls uh, are not concepts that are um, uh, that are just uh, being used in in the Western world uh, or in Christianity. You see a certain type of awareness that maybe we will live on after this life in almost every culture. There is a general um, universal belief in many different forms as you can imagine, different ways in which that expresses itself, that, um, you know, there is part of us that will live on. And there may even be ways to keep in contact with the people that we now miss because they died. Think of the whole ancestral veneration in in many cultures, um, which is, you know, similar, not identical, but definitely similar to what we do on All Souls Day in the Catholic Church where we commemorate our, our, our... are uh, departed, um, and we pray for them, not because they are already in heaven, but we pray for them uh, because it's it's possible that they are not fully open to God yet, uh, that they still have scars that need healing, and so we we pray on All Souls Day for them that those that healing may come soon and and that they may enter heaven. Um, they're not in hell because they were not like totally corrupted evil people, um, but evil did leave its scars um, as it does in our in all of our lives and uh, sin and evil can actually harm us maybe even to the point where we completely step away from the light and from god's love that that is what we call hell it's not a physical place but it is a state you could say it is the it's the state of people who fully and forever reject uh, any form of love um it's it's hard to imagine that that can happen. Even the worst criminal is still uh, ha- has been a child, ha- has had a mother or a father who loved him. Um, so there's always hope that everyone ultimately will be able to embrace God's love. Um, so hell may exist, but it could be empty. We, we we don't know anything about it. We cannot say it's empty. Um, we can only hope that it is. And well, the 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 one thing my takeaway is always worry more about your own future and your own eternal life than about that of the people around you so you see in japanese culture and in you know of course anime is is broader than just uh, just japanese culture but you see a lot of these oriental cultures as well um that uh, there are stories about ghosts and about demons and about you know this whole kind of the same themes of uh how evil can actually make our lives here on earth already miserable, let alone for our eternal life. It can be a massive threat for um, a happy future. 
So my top five was this. The first one is a show that I talked about last week on the show as well. It's Bleach. Uh, it's a story about uh, Ichigo Kurosaki, who is um, a teenager who turns into a soul reaper. Um, it's a complicated story. Uh, but he fights evil spirits called hollows, which is interesting. It's not hallows, like in the Christian tradition, where hallows is a different word for the the saints. Um, in, in Dutch, it's heiligen, hallows. You see that same um, source, that same root of the word. So, uh, but these creatures are called hollows. Maybe there is a, um, a, a deliberate, it was a deliberate choice to make it sound like hallows, or maybe not. Maybe it's just hollow because, you know, empty on the inside. Uh, there, there is not much substance to evil. Evil is most Mostly absence, absence of good. That is what evil is. It's not a thing in itself. Um, but the stories are really great. Uh, I love the the character growth of uh, Ichigo. Uh, and he learns the difference between good and evil and the consequences of his actions and his choices. Uh, so there's a, lot of, there, there's a lot of moral education in his fight uh, for, you know, to save the souls, which is what he tries to do as a soul reaper. Uh, number four, Death Note. Uh, f- intriguing story. It's not just an anime. It started as a manga, very popular, then was turned into an anime. And it's even a live-action series or movie, I think, that is also on Netflix, if you want to check it out. This is about a student who finds a notebook and discovers that if he writes a name in it, that person will die. It's very scary. Um, and so he starts to use it to avenge, uh, you know, people. Or um, And, uh, of course, that gives him very frightening powers over life and death but the story is also about you know learning what it means to make right choices there and so it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, very much about justice mercy and the value of life number 3 berserk dark f- fancy anime about guts this is very dark it's very gory and bloody and violent uh, definitely not for kids um and but you discover that underneath all this violence there has been betrayal there's there is a very damaged person um which i think kind of confirms what we know instinctively is that if you are very hurt you're more likely to hurt other people as well um empathy comes with compassion compassion comes from love and so uh, this whole fight against demons and a lot of these demons actually uh, portray themselves as as bishops and you know religious monks and whatnot uh, so there's a definitely a bit of a metaphor there that evil you know can also corrupt people that from the outside seemingly are the good guys but they, they can be just as evil Unfortunately, we know this from history as well. Uh, number two, Devilman Crybaby, also very violent. Uh, this is even more graphic than uh, than Berserk to a certain extent. Um, hard to recommend for that reason. But there is an underlying story in Devilman Crybaby that um, does reflect on how e- how deep the corruption of evil can be and how destructive it can be. It, it doesn't end well, that story. And then number my number one was a very kind of like positive upbeat series, uh, and I discovered it because I was trying to find a number one for this list, and I was blown away by the quality of this series. It's called Demon Slayer, um, total opposite of Devilman Crybaby in tone. It's about a boy who becomes a demon slayer, so someone who fights demons after his family is killed by demons, and he tries to save his sister from becoming one. Um, and what I really like about the series, first of all, it's it's beautiful it's the most gorgeous animation that i know uh but it's also um 
it's got a very good moral story. Um, the you know the the hero of the story, this boy, is extremely kind and respectful. He he tries to understand even the 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 bad the demons and you know what why did they be why did they turn to evil and he prays for the people that die in these fights um and and it's got a lot of heart and for me that is ultimately the message of hope in these stories it's not just about death and destructions and demons but it's always about showing that love is ultimately always stronger um than than any evil that you can imagine and that is a message of hope that i think we desperately need in the world in which we live today. My final tip is a book that I read, and it's uh, it's very funny. The book itself looks like an Ikea catalog, and it is about uh, a an Ikea store where a group of people ends up at night, and it's taken over by monsters and zombies. So imagine yourself walking inside and this maze that every Ikea uh, store is but without lights and it, it's very scary it's a fun book I love the concept of it and of course visually you know the way in which they did the graphics in this book it's, it's genius um, it's I think it's called Ikea Horror Store <laughs> go check it out alright for my patrons I will continue um, with some more topics I'll uh, share a very fun video game that I've recently discovered as well as um, uh, some of my thoughts on Apple's Halloween keynote sp- uh, f- video. It wasn't really a, a presentation, it was a, a video. And about that scary, fast, new computing power. And, um, and we'll talk some travel tips, um, some, some more stuff that I learned on the internet. If you want to join the Patreon community, get access to that premium version of this show, go to patreon.com slash fatheroderick. And even if you can't support me financially, still sign up and become a patron. It's free. Talk to you soon. God bless. Happy Halloween. Happy All Saints Day. And I will pray for the people that you miss. <laughs>